0: Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on this sort of 4th of July weekend. Actually, July 4th is on Tuesday, but I know a lot of people are going to be celebrating or spending time with family and friends this weekend. I'm going to be doing that as well uh, and enjoying a little time on the water and time with family. And so, you know, there's some fireworks shows this weekend, some are on the 4th. But however your weekend's going, we hope that you're enjoying it. We hope that you're spending some time thinking about our Independence Day, thinking about really how exceptional our country is, and thinking about the freedoms that we have because of that Declaration of Independence that came down and was declared so many years ago on July 4th. I know I'm going to be reflecting on that as well. And, you know, we're rolling in. This is the first day of July here on Saturday afternoon, July 1st, in the great state of Texas. And so, look, we've got a lot of work ahead of us this summer at Texas Values. And so, look, if you have people that want to get some in- Um, experience working at the Texas legislature with the legislature. We've got a special session that's starting July 18th. We're still looking for one or two interns to come spend some time with us and see up close how the state government works, how the policies work, and all that good stuff. And if you want to support the work we do at txvalues.org, you can do that as well. We're going to be spending a lot of time educating you on these issues of faith, family, and freedom. You know, we work primarily on legislative policy issues, but we also work on court cases, and we do a lot of media interviews. And I'm going to have an update on a very big decision from the Texas Supreme Court later in the show. But I want to get right to our guest. Uh, Peter Sprigg is our guest today. He's from Family Research Council, and he's actually the senior pol- senior fellow for policy studies At Family Research Council. If you know anything about Family Research Council, the head of that group is Tony Perkins. And in a lot of ways, they are a national version of the work we do, or I should say probably we're more of a state version of the great work that they do. They've got their own building there on Capitol Hill doing great work for faith, family, and freedom. And so we model a lot of the kind of ways we operate based on the work they've been doing for many years while we focus on the state level things. Peter Sprigg, is uh, joined FRC in 2001. He does research and writing on the issues of marriage and family, human sexuality. He is an ordained Baptist minister um, uh, from the New York area originally at the Clifton Park Center Baptist Church in Clifton Park. Um, He's got his divinity degree, cum laude from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary from Massachusetts, BA from Drew University, and has done quite well for himself, but does writes, excuse me, and talks about from a very thoughtful perspective, the very interesting issues of human sexuality, life, and religious liberty. Peter, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you,
1: Jonathan, for having me.
0: Well, it's great to have you (laughs) on. You know, it's always good to be amongst friends, too, because... Let's be honest, the issues that you and I work on and we talk about, there are a lot of people in the media, particularly, that disagree. We know there's a lot of people around the country that support our work and are on the same side, if you will, or agree with our viewpoint. But oftentimes, it's not about who's got the right opinion. It's what are the facts. And what I enjoy so much about the work that y'all do at Family Research Council, particularly yours— Is pointing people to the facts of certain issues, to certain statistics, to certain facts when it comes to human sexuality and um, unborn children, the biological facts that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And so, as a sociology major myself, that's what I got my undergrad degree in before I went to law school, you know, those statistics are very important, and they tell a story. And you guys, y'all don't just come out and give an opinion. You back it up with a lot of facts and a lot of research, and we appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you. That's exactly what we try to do, and I I, uh, emphasize that – you know, you read my bio there. I, I was a pastor before coming to FRC. I'm not a Ph.D. social scientist. I'm not doing original research in the sense of, you know, scholarly studies. They're going to get published in journals. But what I do is I read the scholarly studies, and then I think of myself as a translator. I, I can translate some of the core, the key aspects of the scientific data that's out there into a language that's understandable for ordinary uh, citizens and for voters uh, to help them really understand what uh, is behind some of these issues. And you're right. uh, You know, the facts are really on our side. I find that a lot of these issues that we deal with, our opponents are appealing primarily to emotion. Uh, they are not appealing to facts. They're appealing to people's emotions, to uh, uh, you know, heart-wrenching stories that they have, or or to um, just a, a framing of the issue in the sense of that it being about compassion and so forth, and ignoring uh, the the harms of some of this, uh, the harms, for example, of involved in homosexual conduct or transgender conduct uh, that that people just look over, uh, unfortunately.
0: Well, those are very good points. We're talking with Peter Sprig, senior senior fellow for policy studies at family research council sorry i'm going to get that right uh you got a got a great long and very descriptive and accurate <laughs> title
1: you can just call me senior fellow if you'd like. Yes. You know, but, uh, senior fellow. And, and hopefully hopefully, I'm a jolly good one. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, and, and, so, and that's not uh, an indication or any a slight towards your age. You and I are probably about the same age. I don't know. You've done a lot of things. You might be a little bit older than me. but uh, or, that, or maybe I need to do a little bit more with my time. I don't know. But so, uh, Peter, I appreciate what... I think what I'm probably older than you, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> so I appreciate the work that you've done. And so... But you think about some of these issues. You, you talked about the, you know, how you will look at these studies and then read and really interpret them, and then share your insight on those type of things, which is very important. There's a lot of information that's coming out these days on a lot of the issues we work on. A lot of information regarding issues of sexuality, and there's so much like marketing, though. I mean, there's so much out there, really, just trying to sway people. And I think, you know, really moving away. From a lot of what the facts are, so during the legislative process, and I'm going to talk. We'll talk a little bit more in detail about the efforts Texas was involved in in having a law to protect privacy in facilities like bathrooms, shower rooms, and locker rooms, and the fact that we're going back into special session. Family Research Council did a great job educating people on those issues. Tony Perkins came down and testified himself on the key piece of legislation that's going to get started up again July 18th. One of the th- exchanges I had, though, that I, I continue to remember during the legislative session was on twitter of course that's where all the great conversations happen <laughs> these days but but i allowed go myself ahead. to see where it would go with an individual i don't i don't remember if he was gay or possibly considered himself transgender he disagreed on the issue but we were talking about the concept and some of the statistics about the high numbers of suicide in the transgender community as they call or label themselves and i think the number he was Telling me was that it's 40 times the average. And I was trying to understand it and have this dialogue and find out it, what he thought about that. And the conclusion I was getting from him was that the reason that the number is so high because people like me and others are supporting laws that try to protect people's privacy or they feel like are discriminatory towards them. And so I said, okay, so that's. That is it? There there's no other factors. There's no other reasons that can be going on that are leading to this suicide rate being so high. And I told him, I said, look, I care about people. That's why I do the work that I do. That's why I want to get the right information to them on what decisions they may be deciding deciding to make in their lives. I don't want that suicide rate to be that high. I don't want any of those suicides. But it's just hard to convince, I think most people that there's no other factors out there. And so for them to just really kind of dismiss everything else that may be going on related to that issue, um, I just think is very, uh, you know, it's just not very effective or excuse me, it's not very helpful to the situation. I just don't think it's honest. I'm not calling them a liar. I'm just yep. saying, I don't think they want to see what I think a lot of other people see. And I do think you're in the same boat that I am, if you will, or the same, um, you feel about the same way. You care about people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. This is a whenever we point to statistics, uh, you know, showing negative health outcomes, mental and physical health outcomes uh, in that uh, population, they'll say, "Oh, this is because society discriminates against them." Well, you know, there there are ways you can sort of test that. One of the most compelling studies that I've read uh, that's come out in recent years was published in Sweden. It addressed this issue of the transgender suicide. They actually, in Sweden being kind of, you know, one of these socialistic sort of countries, they they keep detailed records on everything. You know, the government keeps records on everything that everybody does, basically. Uh, They did a study of every single member of the Swedish population who had had gender reassignment surgery over a certain period of time. So the the, the 100% sample of the people in that country who had had... This surgery, And then they found out that they tracked them over time to see what the outcomes were, and they found that those people had a suicide rate that was 19 times higher than the general population. Now, this is in Sweden, where there is no religious right. Okay, there are, there is no Family Research Council or <laughs> Texas Values, you know, uh, talking about these issues in Sweden. They're told the cou- the culture is totally supportive, and um, these are people who already got the surgery that they wanted. So sometimes in this country, you have people saying, you know, oh, you ha- you know the, the the you have prisoners. We've had prisoners, people, a convicted murderer in Massachusetts who was saying, you have to pay for me to have. Uh, uh, this treatment, or else I'm going to commit suicide. Um, Well, these are people who already had the treatment, so they got all the the, the treatment you could possibly have, and they still had this suicide rate that was many, many times higher than the general population. And the problem is that there are underlying psychological, there's underlying psychopathology in the vast majority of these individuals who experience gender dysphoria. There are other psychological issues. And the tragedy, and the reason why it is not compassionate to be, you know, supportive of this transgender movement, is that they are not getting the help for the underlying problems they're being, they're not they're not getting the kind of therapy and counseling they need for their underlying psychological problems instead they're being told oh you should just have you should just change your gender identity and have gender reassignment surgery and everything will be fine and everything isn't fine well and, and, I- and that's what that's what Dr. Paul McHugh, by the way, of uh, Johns Hopkins University, found back in the 1970s, and uh, that's why when he was the head of the Department of Psychiatry uh, there, he he stopped this practice of performing these surgeries because he said it's not helping people in the long run; it's not improving their health.
0: Well, and look, this also is indicative, I feel, of the fact that these are a lot of new things that are happening in our culture that you know, almost becoming popular and becoming glamorized um, on the front pages of magazines and reality shows when there are some things we do know about these sexuality issues, but there are a lot of things that I think a lot of people don't know or they're still trying to study or they're still trying to figure out. And so, number one, we shouldn't dismiss the information that we already know, the studies and things that have happened before, And but we should also not be so quick to make decisions and assume we know so much about the certain issue And when people are making really important decisions and you look at these rates and whether, you know, whatever the reasons are that they're high, you have to wonder why the suicide rate is so high, as I was told, in in the transgender community on some of these issues. So let's talk about policy because these issues certainly should have – and this is the bigger picture and maybe the more – one of the most important things about this is are we – we're making policy decisions based on facts in studies and information. So hopefully everyone's getting all the right information or all of the information or the best information. So in Texas, we've been working on an issue. The state has of putting forth a bill that would protect privacy in bathrooms, shower rooms, and locker rooms. This issue has exploded over the past couple of years, going from local issues in San Antonio, then to Houston, then in Fort Worth ISD, then North Carolina, then court cases out of different states out of our country, and then the case going up to the U.S. Supreme Court at least for a short while. So and then a letter from the the, the um the President Obama at the time, and then a letter rescinding that letter from Trump, a very active issue. Texas got a law passed in the Senate, not the same as North Carolina, some similarities, but different in other ways, that just made it clear you can have an accommodation for a private facility for shower rooms and locker rooms, a private one, an individual one. But if it's a multi-use, boys go to boys' rooms, girls go to girls' rooms, bathrooms, and the government cannot enforce a policy that does something different from that, doesn't have anything to do with private business, completely... Um, exempts private business from this issue. Tony Perkins came down here and testified on behalf of it. So did the lieutenant governor from North Carolina. I don't think there's any question, number one, that this is one of the most active issues out there right now. And number two, I think Texas has a great opportunity. We go into this special session now with strong support from the governor and lieutenant governor and more and more House and Senate members to get something done on the issue
1: absolutely and we are certainly uh watching closely what uh what's happening there in Texas and uh passing this piece of legislation could set a great example and send a signal to the rest of the country that uh Texas at least will not be bullied by um by these outside forces by activist groups and and their allies in the business community and so forth which are using uh you know distorted arguments and and uh, uh just Misinformation uh, to try to attack this really common sense legislation. And I think you've pointed out some of the things that are very moderate about it. You know, the pushback, um, the, the kind of uh, laws we're pushing back against, these gender identity non discrimination laws in public accommodation, like the one that. Houston tried to uh, impose um, until the, the the people reversed it. Um, these apply to every. These force a one size fits all solution on everybody. Private employers, private businesses, as well as the government. Whereas what you're trying to do is say, look, we are the government. We're going to set the standard for government buildings, for public public schools, and and government buildings. And we're going to leave private businesses free to set whatever policy they want if they wanted to have
0: you know transgender
1: bathrooms they're free to do that yeah if target
0: Uh, wants to have a policy like this and do certain damage to their stock and their value in the market which is what has happened they were outspoken about saying we're going to allow our changing rooms to be open based on how people feel how they identify their gender making it clear that you weren't going to see this difference between men and women in their changing rooms and their bathrooms and look what's happened. Their stock has gone down. They've had significant financial trouble. They fired several people. And even the you know the regular business people that report on these issues are uh, have been saying, you know what, we can't ignore it anymore. That company is in trouble since they started this policy. But Texas is not getting into that. They want to do that on their own. So be it. But the government does right. have a responsibility on their own property to meet and to fulfill the expectation. That there's going to be privacy, and it's not as if these are hypotheticals. As you and I know, there have been incidents and policies pushed in places like Fort Worth, Dripping Springs. These are all school districts in Texas. Capel, which is a very populous um, school district in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and so there, the incidents are happening, the issues are happening. One of the parents from Dripping Springs that we did work for. The reason they called us was they said their daughter came home in elementary school. This is how they found out about the policy change. Their daughter came home and said, Daddy, there was a boy in my bathroom today. So you don't have transparency on these issues. Parents are not being informed. They're pushing these things and passing them behind closed doors because they know, I think, a lot of people wouldn't support it. And so the local school districts have been active on it. So you got the state saying, look. We've tried to give you suggestions on how to handle this, like in Fort Worth and other places, and you're not listening. So the only way to make sure we can protect the close to 6 million public school students, as well as people in other government buildings, is to have a consistent policy across the state while still allowing for accommodations in a single-stall private bathroom. I think it makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, yeah, that last point you made, I think, is key also, because a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, what are we, what are we, where are the transgender people supposed to go to the bathroom? And, and this, um, this bill would do nothing to prevent um, schools or uh, any agency from creating single-user restrooms that can be used by one person at a time of either gender or, you know, so so that seems to me like a win-win solution. Uh, that that meets everybody's needs and everybody's concerns, and and it's the it's the it's the um, LGBT activists who are being unreasonable and really irrational by rejecting that sort of win win solution simply to score ideological points.
0: No, oh, and you know, and this is an issue that <laughs> you know it's it's been around for a few years in the state of Texas and other states, but a lot of people are just kind of waking up to it, and it is just taken off so quickly when you have a case all of a sudden going up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so, however, it's not going to change. And so that's what I've tried to help people understand. These, it's not a static issue. It's going to go one way or another. So I, we talked about the legislation that um, was pushed by Senate Bill 6 that a lot of people supported, organizations supported. There was also legislation pushed by the left that would have also dealt with this issue of intimate facilities. But the difference in that one was that they would have forced everyone to have the same policy, including private business. And one of them yeah. dealt with this issue in in a, in a in the housing context. And if you violated it, you'd have had a $4,000 fine and you could end up in jail for a year. <laughs> and so th- yeah. it's going to go one way or another, as you and I know. So it's not like we can just stand back and, oh, it'll just go away. And so I think that tells us uh, Texas should definitely – address this issue now. And, and I do think there is a thoughtful way to get it done that will, and we have majority support for these issues in our state when it's been polled. And so if everyone will take a deep breath and not allow them to get caught up in some of the, some of the stuff going on in the media and recognize their duty is to pass laws like these.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, one point I wanted to to make too, you talked about, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. Um, this is the other side, the LGBT activists, they try to frame this in terms of discrimination, that you're discriminating against transgender people. But it's fundamentally not a question of discrimination against a, per- a particular class of people. It's a choice that has to be made of how you're going to define male and female. Uh, This is unlike uh, issues of racial discrimination and so forth, because at least so far to this point, nobody is saying, oh, you can't have separate men's rooms and women's rooms. So the real question is, how are you going to define who should use which? And there are two conflicting ways of answering that question. One, the traditional way, the historical way, the logical way, is on the basis of biological sex, uh, which uh, biological sex at birth is something that cannot be changed, or the the radical new idea is that we do this on the basis of gender identity, how somebody psychologically identifies themselves. Well, we have to go back to, to say, why do we have these separate facilities in the first place? And the reason is not because men and women have different gender identities. The reason is because they have different bodies. It's rooted in biology. And... Um, and so it, it simply makes sense to, main, to maintain the separation of these facilities on the basis of biological sex. And, it, you know, other discussions well, of gender identity in other contexts, we can have a separate discussion. But when it comes to these facilities, especially ones where people, you know, appear nude or partially nude, like locker rooms and so forth, those should be separated on biological sex. That's the only sensible solution.
0: And that takes us about... Back to what we we're talking about at the beginning of the show, Peter, about facts, about exactly. important details, particularly when you're dealing with policy that impacts millions of people across Texas and then, you know, however many million across the country, if you will, as you see other parts of the country dealing with this. We're talking with Peter Spriggs, senior policy fellow, senior fellow for policy studies. At Family Research Council, who's got a lot of history on this issue, has done a lot of research on this issue, has covered it, has broken down studies, has been a tremendous resource, has written extensively on these type of type of issues, and so Peter, before we let you go, I just want to tell you how thankful we are for the information that you continue to put out, that Family Research continues to put out. You know, really being in that role of trying to educate people, and while I know that where your heart is, and I know uh, you're an advocate, if you will, on these issues because you care, the value of putting out information that allows people to see it, to read it, and to get a better understanding of it. You and I live in this space every day, but most people don't. And so there's a, and, and some of these issues, there is a lot of detail. There's a lot to know. Tell our listeners your website there at Family Research Council so they can take a look at what you guys are doing.
1: Yes, um, our website is uh, just our initials, FRC at, at frc.org, um, for Family Research Council, and you can find all kinds of information there. I'll put in a plug for my latest paper. Uh, this is something at the federal level. Um, uh, it deals with the uh, uh, transgender persons in the military, and we've done an estimate of the financial cost of this radical new policy in the military and estimated it would cost. Uh, taxpayers nationwide, three point seven billion dollars over ten years, uh, to um, try to accommodate uh, people who identify as transgender in the military. That's an example of some of the kind of research we we're able to do.
0: That's a, that's a substantial amount of taxpayer dollar. We'll, we're going to put up a link uh, to that. i have seen that on your website right now. So thank you so much. And, and if you'll see too, when you read Peter's piece, I love it. You see the footnotes. He backs it up with his sources. Just Mark. like you would expect, that's what I learned in law school. Um, these are not just things we cobble together. And so, thank you for what you're doing. Peter Sprigg has been our guest today on the texas values report peter is the senior fellow for policy studies i got it right that time at family research (laughs) council uh, (laughs) under the the guidance and leadership of our good friend tony perkins peter i hope to see you soon and um continue to encourage y'all to be engaged and be supportive as you have been of the work that we're doing in texas on these issues god bless you brother
1: well thank you and god bless you and the work you're doing
0: there all right good stuff well great to have peter on i I'm glad that he plugged that article, too, because I saw that link but hadn't had a chance to look at it yet. You know, there's been a lot of talk on this issue about costs and what's going to cost the taxpayers, the economy, if we allow, you know, a law that says you can protect privacy and intimate facilities. We disagree with a lot of those conclusions that are hypothetical and not based on actual events that have ever happened. And so here's Peter backing it up with some real information about if you allow these policies, to go the other direction, the impact they're going to have on the government when people start asking the government to pay for their different views on these issues, whether it be asking for a sex change and who who knows what other requests may be coming in, things we don't even know that are going to come in the future on these issues as people, as he says in his article, want aid in their transition to living as the opposite gender. So we're about out of time. Um, trying to see how much time I've got left here. About a minute left here, so thank you for that cue. But look, a lot to cover. The special session starts in a couple of weeks. Check out our website, txvalues.org, to stay up to date. Go on our social media platforms and pages to see what we're doing. We had a major victory at the Texas Supreme Court yesterday. We took a case up there to make it clear that taxpayer dollars should not be used to fund same-sex benefits. We have a law against that. The U.S. Supreme Court has not said we had to do that. And so the Texas Supreme Court issued a ruling Supporting our clients on that issue in that case and that there's um, and as the media is reporting that there's no inherent right to a government provided spousal benefits for same-sex marriage now the case is going back down to the trial court so we can see how this all gets sorted out but now we know where the law stands the Texas Supreme Court has said look that the Supreme Court hasn't said that that's not what you should be relying on to make these decisions. And we'll see what happens next. But a huge victory for a case we've been working on for several years. And that's what you get when you invest in Texas values. We'll see you next week on the Texas values report.